0: There was a woman, nine in the morning, she had gotten her kids off to school, and she leaned over the sink, and tears just began to stream down her eyes. As once again, the morning didn't go the way she wished. There was more voice, there was more yelling, there was more anger and frustration than she ever would have wanted. She just doesn't feel like what her goal was was reached. She's frustrated. There was a student at the end of the school day coming home. Just disappointed that once again the peer pressure made him buckle. Didn't really want to do it. And yet found himself right where he didn't want to be. There's a man whose family goes to bed every night, right on time, and he stays up because he's just kind of a late night kind of guy, and once again, the computer ends up being his worst enemy. And he's involved in things he knows he shouldn't be, taking things in. Every one of these people would say that they love Jesus Christ as their Savior. Every one of these people, hungry to walk with him, and yet finding themselves right where they don't want to be. You know, last week we talked about what does it mean to be jumping out of an airplane with the Holy Spirit, to be doing this free fall with the Holy Spirit where we're learning to have freedom with Him. And and it was an awesome challenge as we looked through Galatians on, Lord, help me to celebrate you. And then the next day, real life comes. And sadly, we don't live what we know we can live. Today, we're going to be looking at simply this how can i be spirit led how can i live that life that i know is available for me and at the end of the day be saying that's exactly where i wanted to be how can i live that life the spirit led spirit empowered life today we're going to take a look at galatians chapter 5 verses 16 to 26 the last half of galatians 5 and the ushers are going to be coming forward they've got bibles in their hands. Just raise your hand if you don't have a Bible. We'd love to get one to you, okay? Just raise your hand and we'll get one to you. We're going to be walking verse by verse through Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 26. So just raise your hands, we'll get a Bible to you. How can I be living that Spirit-led life, that Spirit-empowered life? Well, to state it simply, the goal, point number one, the goal is to live by the Spirit's leading in power. It's to live by His leading in power. How can I make sure that I'm walking in this direction? It's His leading, it's His power. He's owning the the leading and the power, not me. Let's take a look at this real quickly, starting in verse 16. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. I have to say, this week when I read that, I'm like, walk by the Spirit, okay. How do you do that? That's a wonderful metaphor, isn't it? Walk by the Spirit. And so when somebody says, how do I do this thing where I'm daily actually providing and responding in a way where it's like, that's exactly where I wanted to be. That's exactly where God wanted to be. Just walk by the spirit. Oh, well, how do I do that? We're going to try to clear that up a little bit as we walk forward here. But what does it mean? Let's make sure we grasp this. First of all, walk. It's a command. It's an imperative. Do this, walk. It means regularly. It means daily. It means in each and every little thing of daily life, do this. Here's what it does not mean. Once a day, try to grab at least a handful of minutes where you momentarily reflect on something that seems somewhat spiritual and then go do the rest of your life. That's not what it means. What it does mean is in each and every moment of what you're doing throughout the day, Reflect on the holy spirit in you reflect on god about you and what does he want you accomplishing? How would he want you reflecting into this and responding into this? It means everything in every way that you do Is actually spiritually associated with god Walk by the spirit Make sure the whole of our lives are reflecting him We're going to talk a little bit more about what it means as we go along here, but that's the start It says note this if you walk by the spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if i'm saying I keep finding myself in the spot I don't want to be I can guarantee you You're not walking by the spirit right This passage clearly says if you walk by the spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh Now we're going to talk about what those desires of the flesh are and what the results of those desires are in just a second as we get into point number two. But the desires of the flesh, they can distract. They can take us off path. And there's only one way to avoid walk by the spirit. It says in verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Note that it does not say, For once you are saved and you have the desires of the spirit in you, there are no more desires of the flesh. It doesn't say that, right? It says that there are two, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit. And this is going on in you. And there's only one way you don't bend to the desires of the flesh and gratify. One way. You're walking by the spirit. You're listening to the spirit. And the whisper of the Almighty is heard, and his direction is given, and as you follow him, those desires of the flesh become insignificant. You're not responding to them. I guess the best way I could say it is picture it like a teeter totter. Have you ever been on a teeter totter? And you're sitting there doing this teeter tottering thing, whatever they call that when you do that, and you're going back and forth, and the other party just jumps off? Have you ever done And then what happens? Somehow gravity takes effect, right? And bam, you bounce. I'm telling you, at any moment, we can be sitting in a spot where we are walking by the Spirit, and we have that fully in balance, and all of a sudden we just stop and walk away. And bam, we're back to the desires of the flesh driving us. We have to be very careful because they're both at work. But the desires of the flesh can be put in place. It's the Holy Spirit doing it. Make sure we walk by the Holy Spirit and allow him to work in our lives. We're going to continue to talk about that, so I'm just going to leave it there. Let's move forward for a second. It says, not only are the desires of the Spirit against the flesh and the flesh against the Spirit, it says, these are opposed to each other. They're not even remotely associated with each other. They have nothing in common. They are opposed, opposite. They are not driving in the same direction. So you have a choice of which desire you're going to be listening to It says to keep you from doing the things you do not want to do So every moment of every day when you find yourself in that position where you're saying I didn't do what I want to do I can clearly tell you we have a moment where We weren't walking by the spirit And we need to begin to embrace it now This isn't going to be one of those moments where we walk away going great now I know every time I wasn't doing it, right Let's figure out how to do it the way we need to do it he says right at the end, if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Why did he say that? That seems so out of place, doesn't it? What's he talking about? You know, the best that I think he can say is this. I've just been talking to you about the law for two and a half chapters. It's about the law and what the law does not provide and what the spirit does provide. And may you understand this. When you have the spirit moving in you and shaping you and transforming you, I'll tell you this. You are not under the law. The law was just delivering you up to the foot of the cross to say, Here is the wonderful hope in Jesus Christ. Law done. Now you're under the power of the Holy Spirit, the transforming of God Almighty. You are under the hand of the Almighty, touching and shaping and moving and empowering. Are you ready to experience change? That's what he's saying. Forget this stuff where you were trying to muscle it. Are you ready? For God to start moving in you like never before? Are you ready to start experiencing that hope and that passion and that desire to do what's right and what honors God? Are you ready to start leaning in that position that is so fulfilling at the end of the day because you're seeing God honored and others helped and loved? Are you ready for God to unleash in you? That's what he's saying. Get ready. We're done with trying to muscle it ourselves. The Almighty is going to take up residence within and move. Get ready. Let the Holy Spirit lead. Let Him empower. It's time to begin to move with Him. How do I do that? How in the world am I going to go about doing that thing? I think I've been trying that and it hasn't really been working, thank you. Well, let's just go back a couple of chapters. We threw uh, five Ps up there before. So let's throw up there again, the slide, the five Ps. The how do I walk by the Spirit? We had talked about these five Ps before and how do I be transformed? It's the same thing. As the Holy Spirit is moving in you and transforming you, you're walking with Him. So let's go through them again real quickly. The first P, the presence of God. It's where you're just simply... Physically, you may be turning your hands upward. Doesn't mean it's required. Don't hear me right, okay? Doesn't mean it's required. But a lot of times, posture can really put your mind in the right place. Put yourself in a spot where you're receiving, and you just sit quietly, recognizing that the Almighty, who is everywhere at once, is right here with me. And just take a few minutes... To just listen and reflect and quietly allow Him to be with you. The presence of God. Now don't hear me wrong. That's not something we just start doing without knowing Him as our Savior. We need to start with trusting Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We need to be leaning on Him, asking Him to forgive us through His shed blood. And as we have a relationship with Him based on what He's done for us, practice His presence the presence of God point number two the passion of God once we start hearing from God it's time to start moving into his word it's time to start reading what matters to him what's important to him it's time to say Lord may I hate what you hate and may I love what you love just share with me your passion and as you read through the word notice what bothers him what does he speak against what's he for What's he trying to accomplish lord may I begin to share those passions the ones that you have I want to have You're right here with me And i'm knowing and understanding your hates and your loves third Not just the presence and the passion But now his purpose God, what are you trying to accomplish? First corinthians 10 31. It's all about your glory in the end whatever we do your glory Romans chapter 8, whatever comes to me my way, it's about bringing me to a conformance to who you are. You're making me look like you so that you can be shown off. We need to grasp his purpose, that it's about him being lifted up in all that we can do or say or be. Grasp his purpose. So his presence, his passion, his purpose, and then fourth, his power. Lord, I can't do this alone. I know what you're trying to accomplish. Please change me. I want you at work in me. I'm giving you free reign to move. You can do more than I could ever ask or think, right? Ephesians chapter 3. Exceeding abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. That's what you can do. Lord, may you unleash in me what I can't even imagine. Picture the highest victory in your life possible. Picture it for a moment. You ready? Highest victory possible. Yeah, his is bigger That's what he's saying. Yeah, I got more That's where you're at trust me way above that Let's engage together in a god who can blow you away with his power and his authority And a god who's saying I want you to know me so intimately and so personally and so powerfully That you're being changed Not just on the inside But it's beginning to affect the outside Where you go How you act putting aside the desires of the flesh. And we begin to walk where the Spirit wants us to walk. And then lastly, put off and put on. This is where you actually have to start cooperating. It does become our work. And I'll tell you, a lot of people, when they start talking about how we walk by the Spirit, the first thing they say is put off and put on. And it's not that they're wrong. Put off and put on needs to happen. But if that happens without the power of the Almighty in you, you're still trying to muscle it. You're still trying to do it yourself and that really ends up legalism in the end It's you just trying to control yourself to do some right things Not because the holy spirit's in you and empowering you not because god is making you a different person from the inside out But strictly because you're trying to make the outside look polished And that's what we need to avoid Put off and put on it's a cooperation as we get in line with him These five p's are everything This is what it's all about Begin to get a recipe for how to come to him With the presence, expectantly. Passion, knowing what he wants and where he's headed. Purpose, why are we doing this whole thing anyway? With his power, I want to change your heart. Open up and then put off and put on. Lord, I'm going to put myself in the direction of change at all costs. I am going to cooperate with your spirit at all levels. Take me and use me, Lord. You will be amazed how when you actually itemize out the sin that biggest thing you're struggling with and then say lord I'm giving it to you help me to get over this show me what I need to know Man is he going to bring it to to clarity uh, Whether it be circumstances that keep coming up So you have to deal with the elements of it and figure it out and get through it Or maybe it's just the fact that you've recognized it. He's been able to do some things in your heart And you're no longer tripping How to walk by the spirit These five Ps. It's the same answer as what we gave two or three weeks back when we said, how can I be transformed and sanctified? Same thing. You're sanctified as you walk with the Spirit. We need to embrace that. Here's the question. If I were to say, here's a glove, nasty, ratty, 20-some-year-old glove of mine. If I was going to say, let's try to make these fingers move exactly like we want them to move, We could start going like this, right? And we start doing this external control, and we're forcing things to go. And the problem is, it doesn't stay there. It doesn't actually move in tandem and in conjunction with each other. I'm ending up controlling from the outside. But if I go like this, now I can control exactly where it needs to go. When we talk about being led and guided by the Holy Spirit, we're talking about you The glove. And we're talking about the Holy Spirit. The hand. And we're talking about him in you. Moving and shaping and changing. Exactly where you need to go. Are you ready to look like this? A little bit ratty on the outside. But man is he shaping you up on the inside. Do you know what I'm saying? Are you ready to have him from the inside out. Begin to shape and change your heart. So that you begin to long for the desires of the spirit. And he starts moving you exactly where he wants you to be. Are you ready to have the Holy Spirit blow you away with his leadership, his guidance, his love, and his gentle change to your heart? That's the question. So let me ask it out loud. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? We need to be ready. And I'm telling you, a lot of times we're like, uh, yeah, change, sure. I'm kind of ready. I'm not sure what that means exactly. So I think I'm not ready. Be careful. The more we hold on to self, the more we lose the opportunity and the privilege. Let him lead and move in conjunction with him. The five Ps are everything for being able to move with him on a daily, regular basis. So first, our goal, live by the Spirit's leading and power. Second, We've got a couple of tests here for point number two and three. So test number one, how do I know if I'm doing it? Any fleshly works in your life? That's where Paul is going, okay? He's like, let's just talk about these desires of the flesh and how they work themselves out. So he starts in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh, well, they're evident, unfortunately. That means they're really easy to see. That means kind of obvious. Here's the works of the flesh. He puts down a list that is rather shocking. So he starts first with three elements that are in the sexual realm. He says sexual immorality, which comes from the Greek word porneia. It basically means illicit interaction. Okay? Impurity. Moral uncleanness. That's like, I don't even want to be clean. Impurity. It's a measure of the heart. Not even desiring the clean. I'm desiring the unclean. I'm longing for it. Sensuality. Like, I'm driven by the senses. It's an open, shameless, deliberate gratification of the senses. These first three are simply this. We have a strong desire within us. And it's God-given. And it's great. And in the right place, and the right time, within the marriage confines, it is an awesome celebration. And outside of that, It's just taking senses and feelings and letting them drive us amok where it's just all about us and all about the moment. He's saying, you want to have the ultimate definition of the works of the flesh? Let that desire run amok. That's what he's saying. Second, you could have some religious things going on that are wrong. Some works of the flesh. First, he says idolatry. You know, where God's not most important in your life where something else takes higher precedence than God himself. Sometimes this can be really hard to identify. Sometimes it's no problem at all. When you have a down moment, what is it you like to talk about and think about? That's where your priority is. Idolatry. It can take us over and consume us. And then there's this word here, sorcery. And there's a couple of different ways that the different translations have used it. But I'll tell you this, at its root is the word that's used for pharmacy or pharmacology. At its root is this word that means drugs and drug use. There was back then this tendency to use drugs to try to invoke evil spirits and power. So sorcery, it was this combination of tapping into the evil and tapping into the drug world and putting the two together and trying to come up with this more power for me thing. Sorcery, still all about you, but it's going a whacked direction. So from a religious perspective, we have the idolatry and the sorcery. And now the social, he gets a really nice list going here. You ready? How do we know the flesh is at work? Number one, enmity. If we have this harshness or this hatred, and just so you know, this word here in the original language, it's in the plural. So it's more like group against group. It's sort of like these people hate those people. People on the left not getting along with people on the right. That kind of an enmity, okay? Strife. Quarreling, discord, bickering, not getting along verbally, jealousy, defensive of what other people have, or maybe defensive of what you know. So like, this is what I own, this is who I know, and I don't want others taking it away from me. Jealousy, mine, right? It's like the first word we get to learn as little kids. Somehow there's all these wonderful words we could pick up, but mine is our, one of our first words, right? We start going after it, grab and pull, Mine. Some of you are like, no, mom or dad was my first word. Great, glad for you. (laughs) Then third word was mine, okay? (laughs) Fits of anger. Fits of anger. This is like explosive, uncontrolled rage. So about me that I raise me up into the situation to fix it for me. Fits of anger, fits of rage. Rivalries. That's opposition that's coming because of selfishness. Beginning to pit person against person, idea against idea. Dissension. This is where we allow the differing opinions to begin to cause breaks. It begins to cause rifts because of differing opinions. And then he goes one step further, not just dissension, but division. Now those breaks are actually becoming permanent. Opinions that begin to put a rift and the rifts that begin to get permanent, it's starting to create me worlds, my worlds, us worlds, not them worlds. All this selfishness. That starts bleeding out. And then last is envy, wrongly wanting what other people have. This list of eight things socially. Run the checklist for yourself. How am I doing? Do I have some upsetness and almost hatred about other people? Am I constantly in bickering and discord? Am I constantly defending what I've got and not wanting others to get near it because I'm afraid I'll lose it? How am I doing with that anger thing? Am I blowing up? How am I doing with separating? Do you find yourself often in a conversation where you're trying to pit person against person and separate them? Where you're trying to say, did you know that so-and-so thinks this about you or about them or about, and you're trying to create a rift and a wall and a division? Be careful. Those are the works of the flesh. And they're often driven out of insecurities and selfishness. That's what we have to watch out for. The best way to say it is in the deep recesses of your soul. You are being moved towards self or towards God, towards pulling and hatred, or towards love and sharing? What's going on in the inner recesses of your heart? That's the question. And then the last couple that he puts here have to do with alcohol and drug misuse. He talks about drunkenness, you know, that excessive use where your thinking is impaired, your your decision-making is impaired, you're, you're blurred. And then he says orgies here, which basically means wild parties, wild public displays. Lots of misuse of sex, drugs, drinking, the flesh. He actually says, that's not even all, right? He says at the end there, I'm just telling you those who do such things, and there's more. The question is this, why is that what the flesh brings out? Why doesn't the flesh bring out something better, nicer, kinder, more tender, more others-oriented? Because the flesh is first and foremost saying, me, mine, me, self. Put self up. Deep down inside, you're going to have to allow the Holy Spirit to be working on you to say, it's just not going to be about self. It's going to be about love the Lord your God, with all your heart and soul and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love and reaching out. It's the only way that these passions start to get pushed down. Otherwise, the teeter-totter is slamming down, and this is the side it slams on, okay? Notice that he says right there at the end, this is a big passage, he says, I warn you as I warned you before, in verse 21, I warned you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's deal with that for a minute. So those who do such things. So if I've ever done any one of these things, no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Is that what that's saying? Well, if we run that against other scriptures, that doesn't make any sense at all. We see other scriptures where it talks about faith that saves you. And now this is looking at works. What's he saying? One thing you do need to know is that word do when you go and you look at it in the original language, it's in the ing form, like ongoing and regular. Doing, practicing, continuing in these things habitually. I want you to understand that if your nature is to habitually constantly go after the flesh stuff and not go after God stuff ever in any way ever, and this is your habitual following is these things, yeah, that's a good indicator that the salvation faith is not with you. That you don't have God taking up residence in you. We would say a faith that saves is a faith that changes. And you're going to start seeing some removing of these things and some purifying of these things. And over time, you're going to see yourself becoming more like Christ in some areas. If it's just constantly a definition of habitual fleshly sin, we got a problem. That's what Paul's saying. Careful. Don't just say, I said the words of a prayer, and now I'm done. He's saying, it will follow through with fruit. You will have that happening in your life if it's real. Okay, there was a man, he went to buy this tree, this orange tree, and he brings it home and he plants it and he's got all the right soil and all the right atmosphere and he plants this tree and he starts watering it and he lets it grow. And the first year, it just doesn't look anything like what he expected it to look like. And he keeps just nurturing it and letting it go. And this, this orange tree just keeps growing and it just starts looking different than he expected. And the next year, he starts getting these hard, nut-like things growing on it instead. And and he notices the leaf shape looks much more like maybe an oak tree or something. And sure enough, what turns out is he planted an oak tree. He didn't plant an orange tree. Did he ever get oranges from that oak tree? What do you think? You guys are wise. (laughs) What we plant is what we will get. What we sow is what we reap. We have to be very careful. He's saying, watch out. I'm telling you the results of flesh and planting according to the flesh are going to be obvious, obvious works. Evident. And they're not going to be ones you're happy with. Watch and check and evaluate. Go along the way saying, Lord, help me to understand what things are fleshly result. And may I see that as a need for letting you come into my life and work in me more. And start going after those. Question for you is this look down the list. See any of those that are taking you over? Where you could actually be defined as having some of these desires running amok in your life? Anything you need to be giving up to Him and letting Him start to work on you more? It's time. It's time for us to give it over to him. It's time for us to say, Lord, may the desires of your spirit dominate in me more than the desires of my flesh. Help me to see the opportunity and the privilege of living and walking for you. Are you ready to give it up today? It's time. It's time to say, Lord, may you be honored as I let you change me from the inside out. Okay. Test number one was looking for those fleshly works. Test number two, fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. Got any? Fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life? How are you doing with that? So here's where he starts in, verse 22. He says, but, in other words, in opposition to the works of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and now he starts to go down through a list. Note this. It says the fruit, not the fruits, okay? So this is one of those nouns that in itself, it's like this singular thing, fruit, and it collectively means all the different aspects of, these elements of. It's like the cluster, the what comes together with, okay? The fruit of the Spirit. See, all too often we start looking at these like the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I have one or two of them. Which ones are more for me? So I've chosen love and joy. Forget that patience one. That one I'm not using very much, thank you. That's not what it means. It means that these are the results of the Holy Spirit moving and working in you, all nine. It means if we're seeing a dip where we don't have some of these fruit elements in us, we need to start asking some tough questions about what we're resisting. Because the result of the Spirit moving in us is all nine. Okay, so here we go. The fruit of the Spirit is, now let's start walking through them, love. That's God's character, you know? I mean, why not start there? God is love. So if we know God and we have God within us and he's working within us like a glove, we obviously are going to begin to model and mirror that love, that genuine, sincere care and concern for others above self. That's what it means. Others before me. Okay? Love. Joy. This is a deep, abiding exhilaration in the heart. Joy. Not, hey, I'm really excited about the circumstances I'm in. That's not what I'm talking about. This is like, no matter what's going on, I know the Almighty. And there is nothing that can satisfy more. My heart is on fire with Him. This exhilarating... Satisfaction and emotion in the heart for knowing Him. Joy. Peace. This is sort of that quietness and tranquility of the mind. I'm not worried. I'm not letting my mind run amok on the things that could happen tomorrow. Why? Because I'm trusting Him. Just a quietness of mind going on. Patience. Patience. Yeah, whatever. Skip that one, right? Yeah. Patience remaining under willingly. That's what it really means to remain under. Wow. That's really, that sounds appetizing remaining under why? Because our end goal is not comfort. Our end goal is to be conformed to his image. And we know that whatever he puts me in and under, he's got me there for a reason to grow me and to be able to celebrate him in the end. Lord, may you be glorified in my life. That's why I remain under. Lord, may you change me while I'm in the midst of this pain or problem. That's why I remain under. I mean, let's be honest. If life is about comfort, patience is dumb. Get it out of there. It's about getting things more comfortable, and I mean now. But if life's not about comfort, if life's about being conformed and being transformed, and that takes pressure and energy, and power from the Almighty. And an awareness on our part of what we need to let go of. And well, that means there's things we're going to need to remain under. That's the challenge. Patience. True fruit of the Spirit. Kindness. This is benevolence in action. Kindness. Goodness. It's just a pure uprightness of soul. From the innermost part of me, I just desire to do What's nice and good and lovely and tender and sweet and taking care of others and truth-oriented. All of it is just generally good. The Holy Spirit moving in me. Faithfulness. You are so able to be trusted. From the core of who you are, how you speak, how you act, it's just known who you are and which way you're going. And it's always to the good. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Tender and soft self-control. No outbursts of the flesh would be the best way I could define that. What's self-control look like? No outburst of the flesh. So here, let me ask you this question. Just run your eyes down that list. Which is your top one? How are you doing with letting the fruit of the Spirit be evident in your life? Just take a look at the list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You got one or two there that are really for you? You're like, man, I, I'm doing pretty good on those. And I'll look and say, Okay, which one am I not doing so good on? Or two or three or eight. Which ones am I wrestling with? I can guarantee you this. If these are not evident there, then the Holy Spirit doesn't have control of an area of your life. There's something you need to be giving up. Here's an unfortunate thing. It's hard to tell from the outside. I mean, really, honestly, there's not much we can do to help from the outside because you can fake it, and it can kind of look like it. I mean, you can come in here on a Sunday morning and you're smiling and you're chipper and you're talking about the weight of the world upon you and you're shaking hands and everything looks great and you're dressed pretty nicely and this wonderful smile in the midst of pain and people are like, wow, just, you just sense a peace and a joy and, and they come in and they put on the lanyard and they serve in some area around here greatly and, and then they go home and they're just like, I can't even believe I had to deal with that person today and can you believe so-and-so said this and what in the world are they, well, we don't get to see that. So what we see is plastic fruit. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are going out to the store and buying some plastic apples and oranges. And I'm included sometimes, right? And we go to the little cupboard and we pull out our plastic stuff. And we're like, hey, we don't have the real stuff, but it looks good from a distance. So we put it in the bowl and you put it up out out there, right, for show. And this is who we are. Question, are you a fake fruit, plastic fruit, look at me from a distance Or are you a Lord take me from the inside out and just rip it apart and let's look like you I want the fruit of you and me I want you moving me Lord, we are talking about a change in my life that can absolutely make me celebrate you Or I can have a wonderful bowl of plastic fruit where I look good from a distance But if you get close to me, I just start bickering. I start complaining I start not remaining under you start finding. I'm not as gentle which do you want? It's pretty obvious, right? Now it just takes a little bit of work to get there, a little bit of giving up a self. My challenge to you is this: Last week we talked about this fun little analogy of attaching yourself to the Holy Spirit in a tandem jump and jumping out of an airplane and you know falling 13,500 feet, and you don't want to fall the whole way. You want the shoot to go for part of it. <laughs> And as you come down and you pull that chute at about four or five thousand feet and boom you have this nice little coast down Right. And this is a wonderful jump with the holy spirit. We're like, yes, okay This week takes a little bit of work That was motivation talk This is time to put the five p's into practice This is are you ready to experience the holy spirit in your life? Then let's say lord. Take me over like a glove Are you ready? To say, I want to experience you at levels I have never seen before. I want to be so satisfied with you. I want to be spilling over with you, Lord. Just change me from the inside out. May I do things not because I know they're right, but because I want to be doing them. May my inner self just want you. May I have your passion and live it with all I've got. May your power be motivating and changing me with all I have. Lord, move me now. Are you ready? Weak. Are you ready? We need to be ready. I mean, we need to be on it. Are you ready? It is time to go to him as our faithful friend. It is time to go to him as our almighty God. It is time to go to him as the one who has promised us absolute transformation, blown away with him. If, if we get rid of the plastic fruit, stop faking it from the outside and say, Lord, Lord, From the inside, just change me. Just move me. Your spirit transforming my heart. May I hunger for you more. May I long for you more. May I just want to show you off. Take me like a glove. Now. That's where we need to be. And he will be faithful till the very end. To be moving with us. To be walking with us. And to be changing us. There is hope. We can turn to Galatians 5 and get a major smack in the face. Or we can turn to Galatians 5 and get unbelievable hope of a God who is so worth knowing and so valuable and he is so empowering and he just wants to take us and hold us close on his lap and say, you will never imagine what I have for you. That's our hope. Let's pray.